Before we get started, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omar Productions present The VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold Anwude, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's The VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. And Ryan Clark, it is November 1st, and I was looking on Instagram the other day, and I saw LeBron James's Halloween setup. It was phenomenal. I can only imagine what the Clark household Halloween was as I recovered from a night of trick-or-treating. We, we cut the, How we, much we candy cut the, did you get, Ryan Clark? First off, wait, I was mean, in wait, DC wait, because you I had those to people? do SVP. Yeah, I don't want nobody coming to my house. Like, what? What are you talking about? Are you I mean, crazy? Wait like, a minute. First off, DC. Wait a minute. <laughs> DC, my mother used to lock me in church on Halloween. <laughs> so I didn't trick-or-treat as a kid. Now, and this is when I lived in a normal neighborhood, when I played, we did trick-or-treat. Like, I'd take the kids trick-or-treating. Yank would stay at the house or vice versa. Uh, to not in any way to say this, the people in my neighborhood actually trick-or-treat on golf carts because the houses are oh. so far apart and the and so and so you gotta and the driveways are so long. So what? I'm just saying. Like that's the this only is, way you can get to the house. And so y'all did trick-or-treating, but I was at work, bro. This is the elite. You're just gonna cover your face. This is the elite. This is the elite of the elite talking, ladies and gentlemen. They ride golf carts to trick or treat. This is the stuff, Ryan. This is the stuff that separates you from the normal people like myself who just <laughs> walk up. And, I'm normal, everybody. I'm still normal. Ryan Clark, look at this guy. He's sitting up there in his golf. Oh my! Didn't your mama didn't let you trick or treat? Hey, Ryan Clark, guys. This Ryan, I, you, you know what I did? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. This is the problem. The problem is this. You decided to take all the money you earned and move to California. I went back home. So see, so see, Super Bowl money stretches much further in Louisiana than California, as does UFC double division champ money stretch. You made a choice, DC. I made a choice. So in your neighborhood, they walk. In my neighborhood, they drive golf carts. But you know what? You behaving like this is just why you got beef with another champion in American wrestling. I mean, American kickboxing academy. So let's read this from Islam Makachev. Finally, everyone will find out the truth. Whose wrestling is better? I warned you, DC. Make sure you watch the video, guys. Look at this. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Takes you down. Oh, he flips you. Is he going to get in full mount? Okay, no, not yet. You try to get him in guard. You look very scared. You look extremely scared. Okay. Oh, my gosh. He gets your back? He gets your back, and you sprawl out like a baby. Like a baby. DC, tell me how a guy so much smaller than you controls you in this manner. It's actually unbelievable well, so here's the to deal, see right? you done like this. 
Ryan, don't don't Ryan, don't buy the video. First off, Mahachev has the greatest video editors of all time. Because yes, he did get points there. He got four points in wrestling because we were wrestling. But Ryan, he didn't put the rest of the match. If you scrolled through those videos, there's a guy named Romero Cotton. There's a guy named Romero Cotton that was the official. He was scoring the points. By the end of the match, I was the guy with my hand raised. I won the match DC. once we were done. DC, yes, he fighting, scored in that transition. You're fighting Islam Mahakchev. He fights at 155. DC, <laughs> if there was a 275 <laughs> category right now, you could be in it. And this dude is yeah. whipping you. And there is no way. <laughs> Islam looks like the type of guy to me that would only show everything. He doesn't seem like the type of dude to skew things in his directions or cheat like some of his former teammates at AKA. This is what the real show. So, and you're only as good as your last outing, DC. So 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 now you his friend now. So now you is now you team Makashev. Now you team Makashev all of a sudden now because he beat me. That's crazy. But here's the deal. End of the match, I won. But Ryan, like I texted, like I posted yesterday for Islam. Boys, roll the video. How can I take him serious when my student, a kid from my high school team, <laughs> is taking him down? Look at this love trying to dive right. out of the he trying to dive out of the wrestling room. Bro, there's always cameras. <laughs> and look at me just celebrating. There's always cameras in the American Kickboxing Academy, so you can never hide. That's my boy Chase Saldate. He's a junior at Michigan State right now, and he got the two takedown on Islam. And he, no, he messaged me DC, all day, RC. Dude sending videos. I talked to people Go in ahead. the gym. I talked to people in the gym. I talked to people in the gym. It said Islam, on his way to being a champion, wanted to look out for the kid. Wanted to give the kid some confidence. Oh. Wanted to make sure... Wanted to make sure that he didn't feel defeated or deflated in leaving the gym because that's what champions do, DC. Champions give oh, of themselves... For others. And, and Islam Mahachev is a true champion after beating Charles Oliveira. And he doesn't need to beat a student to build himself up. And I think that's what oh our my true UFC champions need oh to goodness. be in these days. As oh you were goodness, trying I see your what you're doing. to outpoint Oh my him. goodness, I see what you're doing. Oh my goodness, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get good favor with my friends. You're trying to turn another one of my friends away. Oh my goodness, I see what you're doing. Last week you did it with Javier Mendez, and now you're trying to do it with Islam Mahachev. I see what you're doing. This is why everybody loves you. This guy right here, Chase got the two, and Islam got his butt taken down. I don't care. Dude, he texted me all day yesterday, voice messages, telling me how Chase is not on his level. He don't like to lose, right? This guy's crazy. But here's <laughs> another thing, right? We got to get to the show. Uh, Arnold Allen, last weekend, picked up the biggest win of his career against Calvin Cato. Unfortunately, yeah. it was due to an injury. But how much, yeah. how much do you... How much do you fault Arnold Allen for that when in reality he's just winning the fight up to the point? He's doing everything that he can do to win the fight, and then Calvin Cater gets hurt. So how much does that hurt him to win in that fashion? You know, I talk about this movie all the time, Troy, because there's a point in Troy where Achilles is fighting Hector, and Hector tri trips over a rock, right? And Achilles say, mm -hmm. get up, Prince. I will not allow a rock to steal my glory because he knew no matter mm. what or no matter how great he fought, if he killed him because he tripped, 
no one would respect the win or the win wouldn't mean as much. And so if you're Arnold Allen and you're fighting in the biggest fight of your career and you're doing everything you're supposed to do up until that point and Calvin Cater gets hurt from the knee injury and you have to win through that route, that doesn't take away from what you were doing to that point. But you know and I know in a sport that can change in any second, that win doesn't feel complete. We don't necessarily know if the tables could have been turned. And so that's left up to the fan. That's left up to the judge. That's left up to the UFC executives. And it's also hard to elevate somebody because of that. And so I think when you're Arnold Allen, you have to, I think, understand and respect that you won't move up much in the rankings. But this is a guy who is on a 10-fight winning streak, and it doesn't take away from the other fights he's won as well. DC, if you are trying to figure out what's next for this fighter in a stacked featherweight class, how do you see this win affecting Arnold Allen and what he's able to do next? You know, RC, I think the problem with Arnold Allen winning in the way that he did is that even the rankings, even the rankings show that it isn't going to elevate him in the way that he would have expected by beating someone like Calvin Cater. This dude actually, this dude actually uh, was number six going into the fight, and he's still number six. Or it didn't change nothing. So you could see how the media and the the rankings people view what happened in the fight. But in reality, in round one, Arnold Allen was fighting a beautiful fight, and I don't know what Calvin would have done to change it. We have seen Calvin Cater bounce back on so many occasions. He is as much of a warrior as we have ever seen inside the octagon. But the reality is this. He didn't win in the way that you want to when you extend a win streak like that, and even he recognizes it. Because when he went to the octagon with Michael Bisping afterwards, he said, it's hard for me to ask for a title fight after that when the champion says, do something special. But... He goes, maybe put me in an interim title fight in the meantime while he challenges for the lightweight championship. So for me, I think the win is valid because I I put stock in what he was doing up to the point of Calvin Cater hurting himself. But I also love the fact that this kid showed maturity in the moment in recognizing that, yeah, this ain't going to get it done. I am willing to take whatever is presented to me in the near future, even though it won't be for the full UFC featherweight championship, make it a portion of it. Yeah, I mean, I think he understands that, and that's what's smart about what Arnold Allen said after his victory is that he understands how it would be perceived, and in that perception, he wants to be treated fairly, right? So it's not necessarily don't Mm -hmm. knock me back, don't make this a negative in my career, but treat me according to what I have accomplished thus far, which has been actually a phenomenal run. When you look at the featherweight division, we all know that Volkanovski uh, wants to fight Islam for the 155-pound belt. When we look at this weight class and, 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 and the rankings of this weight class, we all feel that it was Alexander Volkanovski and obviously Max Holloway right underneath him. And Max Holloway has run through and wiped out a lot of these fighters as well. So when you think about this division, What matchups or what are the next steps to continue developing contenders and challengers for the belt? You know, it's very difficult because he is such a dominant champion now. And because of how good Max Holloway is, RC, 
we watched him beat him in that way. So it starts to lead to the question, who can really push this dude? Because we had seen Max Holloway beat everybody else. So to get dominated in yeah. that fashion, it goes, man, we need something truly special to challenge Alexander Volkanovsky at this weight class. That's why you see him getting that immediate title fight at 155 pounds because he's just a savage. And as Javier Mendez spoke about last week, if they don't do their due diligence, we or the American Kickboxing Academy recognizes how dangerous this fight is for Islam Mahachev. But when you turn back to the rest of the division, because when the champion goes up, obviously everything becomes a bit stagnant at the weight class. I am now more inclined or open to understanding a interim championship fight. At oh, look what happened in a week. Figure out who's next. Oh, it, it changed. It changed. Look what happened it in changed. a week, DC. <laughs> you know why, RC? It. You know why? You know why? Because, hey, listen, you got to change with the times, but also because Arnold Allen deserves to fight for some portion of the championship. I believe his humility okay. in that moment is what actually turned me about. And honestly, Josh right. Emmett does deserve an interim title fight also. So I'm like, you know what, man? Those guys should not have to wait for the champion as he tries to chase down greatness. Give the champion an opportunity to do something truly special, but allow for the weight class to continue to move and see if something shows itself. Because, bro, Arnold Allen has won so many. You don't need I – don't, I don't like when a guy has to win double-digit fights in the UFC in order right. to earn a championship opportunity. That seems like way too long. And I would like to see Allen fighting for some portion of the championship against Josh Emmett, preferably in Australia, right underneath Volkanovski fighting against Islam Mahachev. I think that would be a huge fight that you could add to that card, and it kind of gives you excitement for that weight class, um, especially before which will be one of the biggest fights in UFC history. I think if you're Arnold Allen, you welcome that too because it continues your ascension or continues to give you an opportunity to ascend. And when you look at the featherweight class, Max Holloway has been so dominant in the class, and obviously the champion Alexander Volkanovski has as well. You have to develop some new challengers. You have to get a new bloodline or lifeline to continue to have the featherweight rankings and have the featherweight uh, weight class grow. And so I think that would be smart. But speaking of dominant champions, as we've spoken of Max Holloway, as, we, as we've spoken of Alexander Volkanovsky, in my fandom of the UFC, there's been no more dominant champion than Anderson Silva. And we saw him obviously on the consecutive wins chart as well. We got Ooh. to watch him fight Jake Paul this weekend, in which people were saying, it was a war. And obviously, Jake Paul ends up uh, beating Anderson Silva uh, by decision. When you look at that fight, DC, what do you feel we learned about Jake Paul, actually, in fighting one of our legends? You know, first off, you're, uh, you love Brazilians because the only person that I've ever heard you speak of on the same terms of Anderson is Jose Aldo. Actually, the only person I've heard you speak of Jose on the terms of Jose Aldo is Anderson because you might love Jose Aldo more than you love Anderson Silva. So I'm going to correct so you when you I, say so I don't love Conor now. 
I don't love Connor. Well, no? you love Connor. You you love Connor, but you don't love anybody more than Jose Aldo and Anderson Silva because my <laughs> my goodness, and you probably cry. You probably mad when Connor won. As much as you love Connor, you're probably mad when he beat Jose Aldo because Jose Aldo to you is my little. But anyways, as we get to Anderson, you know what I think we learned in that fight about Jake Paul was that he can fight. I I, I he was yes. if he would have fought Anderson last year, Anderson beat would have beaten him if Anderson fought the way that he did. But the kid's improving. The Woodley, the one that beat Woodley would have lost to that Anderson Silva Saturday night. It was a fun fight. I can't I paid the 60 bucks. I bought it. I watched the pay-per-view. I actually fought with my son because he was trying to watch it on one uh device and I was watching it on another device. We kept booting each other off. Eventually I had to steal it. <laughs> I streamed it on my part because my son wouldn't let me watch the fight. But I thought that Jake Paul showed a lot of heart. I thought Anderson Silva fought valiantly, but I also was, you know, you know what sucked? I felt like Anderson did what he is known to do, and it's a bit of his M.O. If he was more active, he would have won, but he just wasn't. Yeah. There were a lot of spots in the fight where lack of activity cost him. He gave away some rounds to Jake Paul early because he just didn't do enough, and when he put his foot on the gas, mm -hmm. you saw that he was the better fighter. Anderson Silva, but he just did not mm. put the gas enough to win the fight. And then he got dropped in the last round. Yeah, DC, I mean, you know, you are mentioning put your foot on the gas, but we also have to recognize not where Anderson Silva just is in his career, but where he is in his life. The amount of, of rounds, uh, the amount of damage, the amount of training that Anderson Silva has had to endure, that takes a toll on you. And I think sometimes you can't be as active. Like, I, I'm obviously not training the way I used to, but I can't do some of the things that I used to. And I think we saw some youth by Jake Paul play a part in this fight against Anderson Silva. When we look at who's Biggest more factor. skilled, obviously. Yeah, you know, yeah, like obviously Anderson Silva is more skilled, but mm -hmm. this is a young man's sport, DC. What what you were able to do, what an Anderson Silva has been able to do, those things are the outliers, right? Those are the anomalies to be that good or that uh that popular, that prevalent in your late career or as you get older. But another aging UFC fighter or MMA fighter or mixed martial artist in Nick Diaz, I mean, Nate Diaz was called out by Jake Paul. And Jake Paul says that's a fight that he wants to make. I think the Diaz brothers are always ready to throw hands. But you see here, he says, I want Nate Diaz, who is a you-know-what. He tried to come into my locker room. He tried to call some stuff. And then he always leaves the freaking arena. So Nate Diaz, stop being a blank and fight me. The one thing I know about the Diaz brothers, bro, is they ain't running from fights. They are not the type that are scared and going to tuck tail. And we see an altercation here between the Diaz clan and also the Paul clan. What do you think of when you see yourself sitting down trying to steal the streaming from Lil Daniel as the Diaz clan and the Paul clan meet up to see Nate and Jake get in the ring? You know what I love, first off? The first off, I love that now that you're doing fight stuff, 
you're like in the dirt with us and having to read a quote that has that many cuss words in it because that is not <laughs> your lane. You don't even cuss. So having to read a quote with that many cuss words in it is fantastic to see you try to maneuver around those cuss words. It's fun for me. But secondly, I agree. There's no way that Nate Diaz is afraid. Uh, Nate Diaz went to the fight. But Nate Diaz, if he slapped the guy, which it looked like he did, was intending to fight the guy. Nate Diaz isn't there to try to just build promotion. Because if you're going to fight this yeah, he kid, ain't playing. If you're going to get in Nate <laughs> yeah. no, he's not playing. He will fight you in the ring, in the <laughs> octagon, or on the streets. It's just who Nate Diaz is. And uh, you see him there with another guy that fights in the UFC, Nick Maximoff. They, those guys, they're, they're, they're not necessarily... Look, that's one thing I can tell you about Nate Diaz and I respect that about him, is if there are words spoken, he ain't going to run away. Even like I told you the other day, he came up to me in the uh, at the Apex whenever I went with my with my son and him. Now, he was smiling. I don't know if maybe that was because the kids were there. If it was just me and some other adults, maybe it would have been different. But he came and he told me, hey, man, dude, dude beat me in a wrestling match, not a fight, because that's his thought. He didn't shy away from coming up to me to speak to me as most other fighters do. So he isn't afraid of Jake Paul. And that will make for a lot of money between these two. Because this kid, Paul, for all that you think, he's a fantastic young promoter. He does a great job of building yeah. an event. People seem to want to tune in to what Jake Paul is doing as they do with Nate Diaz. And if they are to fight, I would tap in again. Like, I'm constantly buying Jake Paul's events right now because there's a lot that surrounds it. And even if you want to see him win or if you want to see him lose, you tune in and it's making the kid a ton of money. Isn't that isn't that the trick, though? Right? Isn't, isn't the trick to yeah. get enough people behind you that want to see you win but also find a group of individuals that will tune in in hopes that you lose? And I think that's what Jake Paul has done because he's not necessarily fighting the caliber of fighter that people usually tune in to see. He's not the caliber mm -hmm. of fighter that people normally tune mm -hmm. in to see. But he's also been smart enough as he's continued to pick his opponents. Anderson Silva has the UFC following. Obviously, the Diaz brother, brothers and their following is huge. So you're going to get people that want to see this fight. And I think... The one thing Jake Paul is showing us, DC, is that he's taking this seriously. He's taking the training seriously. Yes. He's taking the, the fight seriously. And I'm going to be honest from somebody who has fancied himself as a tough person throughout his life. I don't want to get in there and get punched, bro. Like, I'm not, you know, like on the street, <laughs> if somebody tried me and I got to throw hands or defend myself or keep people off of me, I'm all for that. But actually training and starting my morning off going, you know what? By the end of this day, I'm going to be standing across from one of the greatest combat sport legends in the history of life, and I'm going to let him punch me in my face. I'm not about that life. And so I have to give Jake Paul that respect. Someone else I have to give respect is... Uh, yeah, one, more thought, finish, RC, one more thought, RC. Yeah, one more thought, RC. Also knowing that that's a guy that you had idolized. Him and his brother had pictures with Anderson yes. before at UFC events as fans. So to stand across him is very, very difficult. Now... Like you said, this kid is doing things that we may not have expected early. You knew people tuned in early. I mean, he fought a guy named KSI before. The guy was on YouTube. Could you imagine what Jake Paul would do to this kid now 
if they fought. Right. He would knock right. him out in 30 seconds. They went a full fight before. So the improvements are very evident when you watch him compete. But when you speak about people wanting to see you win or people wanting to see you lose, Ryan, you're on TV all the time. So it's never, we're never praised with love. It's never universal. But the one thing right. that we cannot have is indifference. When people don't care, yep. whether you're on TV or you're on this or on that, that is a recipe mm-hmm. for disaster because when they don't care, all of a sudden the higher-ups stop caring, and the next thing you know, you're replaceable. Right. So having people care one way or the other. So for all the fans going, D.C., we don't want you on commentary, or we don't want this, that's good for me because you care one way or the other, and people know that. You cannot have indifference, and that's one thing Jake Paul does not have at all is people that are indifferent to what he is doing. And every time Dana says his name, it's just ching ching kakash for Jake Paul in Money in the Bank because he's got the biggest promoter in fight sports speaking his name. Whether it's negative or positive, he's getting some sort of promotion from the boss, Dana White. And uh, RC, one of your former teammates, right? Did you play with Le'Veon Bell? He also fought last week. I did. Yeah, I did. You know, Le'Veon Bell and I spoke uh, today a little bit just through message because I kind of talked to him before his fight. And I was like, man, I love to sit down with you and just talk about the things that you're doing now as opposed to what you did during your playing career when you were once considered the most versatile running back in football. And he kind of spoke about this fight with Uriah and uh, he messaged me this. He said, you know what? I know in order for people to take me seriously, in the fight game, I have to fight people who are experienced. I have to fight people who are respected. And in that, in my first pro fight, I feel like I learned a lot. And I think I love his mature approach to boxing. The fact that, you know, he was a guy who trained. He was a guy who did this as far as cardio and trying to understand how this could help him be a better football player. But to have an opportunity to step inside the ring with Uriah Hall, who was an accomplished mixed martial artist, I think is huge to take this step, especially in your second fight in this sort of arena. What do you feel Le'Veon Bell accomplished, D.C., in this fight against Uriah Hall, obviously after losing? I thought I thought Le'Veon Bell gained a lot. I thought he gained a lot by standing up to and making the final bell. You don't expect, dude. You don't expect a pro football player to go uh, to the end of the fight with you. And I know Le'Veon has been very committed to this, and he showed that there's a much different level between him and what he's doing to some of the other athletes that are just kind of making this what could be their pastime into trying to make it something that they want to do. Example, Adrian Peterson. Adrian has still right. been playing football. He hasn't committed himself to it. You put Adrian Peterson in there with Uriah Hall, he's out of there in the first round. Le'Veon Bell has committed right. himself to this craft, and it allowed for him to go all the way to the end of the fight. I expected Uriah Hall to win this fight, hands down. Never was in question that Uriah Hall would win it. My question was, how bad will it look? for Le'Veon Bell as this fight goes on. And I think that after watching it, it tells you that Uriah Hall, who was at one point thought to be one of the most dangerous, scary strikers in the UFC, has ability in boxing, as we knew. But Le'Veon Bell, to me, may have won more because he earned the respect of people in the fight game. Like I thought two guys did that. I thought Jake Paul, if you're not just a guy that hates Mm -hmm. him, earned some respect from you for fighting Anderson in the way that he did. 
And I thought that Le'Veon Bell also did that because Le'Veon Bell could have been just like the guy who had 40 professional fights, was on the Cuban Olympic team that got knocked out in a minute against another right. boxing kid, against a guy like Uriah Hall who has fought so long and fought such high-level competition in the UFC. No, I, I thought, too, one, uh, Le'Veon accepting the fight was kind of the first step to that. But people want to know if it's a ploy. RC, right? people RC want real to... quick, let me ask you this, RC. Let me ask you this real quick. When you say Le'Veon accepting the fight, what was the, like, what was the, like, the thought when he did, though? Because you, as a guy that's watched fighting for so long, knows how dangerous Uriah Hall is. Did you think to yourself, like, Le'Veon's out of his mind to accept this fight with yeah. this caliber of guy in his pro debut? DC, I get nervous. To to like to be honest mm -hmm. with you, I have, um, and I don't know if this is the correct term. I have this thing called secondary embarrassment, right? So like I can't watch The Voice, I can't watch American Idol because I don't like people to have dreams and have their dreams shattered, or to be embarrassed in mm -hmm. front of groups of people. And so when he took that fight, that was my first my first thought. Like, oh no, like why would you do this? Especially someone who was once so accomplished at their passion, once so accomplished mm -hmm. at their occupation, you don't want to see them going. Like, think about Adrian Peterson, right? And he didn't even fight yeah, bad, a bro. Uriah Hall. He didn't fight an Anderson Silva. But when we saw that, we was like, oh, no, AP, not you, right? This is a guy who's a legend bro. who we watch. Right, we watched him walk on to Oklahoma's campus, and from the first day, he was the best player in the country. And it's almost mm -hmm. like, why mm -hmm. would you do that? And so I had some of those thoughts when it came to Le'Veon Bell. And then once he was done, I was just proud. Like, like to be honest, yep. I felt like he represented us all. And to make it to the final bell, to not limp across, and this is another sport, a metaphor, to not limp across the finish line, to be standing toe-to-toe -to -toe when Uriah Hall is trading heavily as the, the final bell rings and be able to walk to his corner, walk back out to hear the decision. I thought that was all just, it was all something that gained so much respect from me and I believe a ton of other people. And I think it does exactly what you said, DC. It separated him from the people that are just playing boxing. Le'Veon is not playing. He's truly serious about this craft and training. And I think for people like you who have done this for a living, it probably earns your respect as well. It, it absolutely did. And I respect him today, Ryan, way more than I did before in terms of his prospects for boxing. Because the, here's the deal. The dude has money, right? He's doing this as a passion. Yep. He's not fighting to try to yep. get rich. So if he wants to continue to fight even if he fights at a level below what he fought last weekend, he could beat a lot of those guys. He could beat a lot of those guys that right. go into those boxing arenas. So if he takes a step back, that makes sense. But, RC, I got to tell you this, my brother. Hey, secondhand embarrassment is real. So I, 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 I hate when people start singing. I'm like, yo, man, how do you not know that your pitch is this off? Ben Askren, right. bro. Ben Askren was probably like the biggest case I've ever had with that when he got knocked out by Jake Paul. Being that we were Olympic teammates and we're friends, I was like, Ooh, man, yes. why would he do that and do that to his yes. legacy? You know what I'm saying? And I know that's probably what you felt uh, in regards to 
what Le'Veon Bell was doing this weekend and the prospects of him getting flattened out uh, like that. Yeah. Before a guy like AP, even though it's in a different arena, RC, it's like now it's like everything on the football field, it still stays. But like my memory is him laying down flat in the middle of the ring, getting knocked out by a guy who took yeah. it serious in Le'Veon Bell. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's the, the that's the risk you take when you do that. But you know what time it is now, bro? We about to step fly, dog, because we ain't done this in a while. And I feel like corporate Jake has truly been slacking. There goes Cowboy DC in the Everclean RC. We're going to talk a little bit about Charles Oliveira, right? Charles Oliveira did mm -hmm. something that I love. When he became champion, he started to dress like a champion. Check the pinstripes. Now we got the collar open. It's laid perfectly so you could tell this suit was taken to the cleaners. He didn't iron this in the hotel at Abu Dhabi. Comes with the blonde fight hair. We got the AirPods in the ear. This is clean, DC. This was the suit of a champion until he stepped into the octagon with Islam Mahachev. What you think about this, Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, John... Hey, hey, RC is nice. Hey, John, John Anik, John Anik is like the man. He called him Charlie Olive because Charlie had those olive glasses on, right? I was like, ooh, that's a good mob name right there. <laughs> Charlie Olive, and the dude was looking good. He, you know, the whole team with the yellow hair, fit just nice, pinstripes. And brush just the way that he walked, right? His swag is different. When he when he walk into the arena, he like he walk with a different swag about him, just like he did when we saw him Bro, uh in the summer. Look at him. Look how he with walked. the lion. Bro, he's walking, he's walking like he still got that lion on the leash, dog. Charles Oliveira had a he had an aura <laughs> about him when he got into the arena. And I think you have to love. Now, we're gonna go to a guy who is still the champion, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Algermain Sterling and the way that he stepped mm -hmm. into the arena. Listen, I have a green tuxedo coat. This one's even flyer than mine. My joint is shiny <laughs> too, but my dog got the green tuxedo coat. With the Run DMC chain, bro, the Cuban, hey, all for Cuban links, gold watch, gold buttons. Hey, this right here, mm. right, um, DC, here. this right here, that is clean. What you think about that, DC? Could you pull it off? Hey, 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 hey these boys, hey, let me tell you something. These boys stepping their game up. We try to do stepping fly normally, and we want to throw a couple bad ones in there. But the boy Aljo was looking fire. But this is the thing, though, right? I love what Al Jermaine does in terms of his, his clothes, RC. I will never sit here and pretend to be the best dresser because I'm not. I just I know I always look pretty good because when you got a face like this, you always <laughs> look good. But like Aljo, Aljo, like you see the big the big necklace. It reminds me of the boy Rakim. He always pays homage to yeah. his New York roots with the yeah. big fat links yeah. on his necklaces. And he used to do that when he had the flat top. Remember he had the flat top with the Rakim chain? Yep. And now he's dressing like that? I mean, him and his old lady, both they look like a million dollars walking into the arena. Bro, you got to be fire when you go to defend a UFC championship. And now Jermaine Sterling yeah. was fire. Well, you know... Like, speaking of seeing green, which is one of my favorite rap songs, we're going to take it over to Kyler Murray because they say the new Call of Duty out, so I know my dog is dressed. Now, this has been compared to Hillary Clinton's pants outfit when she was getting off of a jet one time. DC, <laughs> I'm going to let you go on the bell-bottom, lime green, Kyler Murray. Oh, I didn't see the bottom. I didn't see the bottom. Boots? <laughs> 
Hey, yeah. RC, I didn't see the bottom. That, RC, my, my, what you think about the that? Zoom, the Zoom that, hey, the Zoom is low, so I could just see the top. So I'm like, hey, it's not so bad. You know, you got the, 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 the breasted suit going all the way to the forehip. But then when I look at the bottom, what is going on on the bottom, RC? <laughs> What's going on on the bottom? What is going on on the bottom, though, son? Oh, my God. Bro, I was so weak. When I saw this, you know what? Here is what I learned, DC. We just actually aren't hip, bro. Like we're we're old now. Is going on. Clothing is changing. Style is changing, and we aren't really up to what's different about dressing. And so I think that's that's kind of the the problem, bro. Like we just have to do a little bit better. But hey, we're gonna stick with the green theme. Let's go to Draymond Green. Okay. You know, the NFL has started. Now, listen, this is shiny. This is a little bit of um, Saturday Night Fever. I only have one problem with this, and I don't know if we'll get to the back of it. He never opened the flaps, DC. When you look at the back yeah. of his coat, he never took the stitching out of the flaps to allow the back of his, his no, coat he did to not. flow. Like, yeah, the, the, the joint still like it is if you got it off of the rack at one of the, like... <laughs> The buy for size stores. Like, you can't, dude. I know that thing costs $3,000, right? Why would his tailor not remove that? Like, I don't understand. Like, that is, it was like almost step and fly, but not really because you can't move your legs because the back of the suit stuck to you because you didn't take the flaps out. You know what the problem is? What do you think about this, DC? Hey, RC, as soon as I look at it, I'm trying to look at the bottom. <laughs> I need to see the bottom like Kyler Murray, dog. I'm looking over the zoo <laughs> to try to see if this dude got some bad, he got that bottom stuff. But no, <laughs> the problem is the tailor probably figured, yo, man, you're paying this much for this suit. You know how to open up the back of the suit. You know not to button the bottom button. Like, there's just certain suit etiquette that you do when you buy an expensive suit. And, and maybe Draymond just... <laughs> Didn't know exactly what the tailor thought he knew. But I thought the suit looked pretty good. I thought his swag was nice because the way he walking like, yo, I look good tonight. You can tell when a dude think they look good. I've seen you turn, RC. Hey, no, listen, like felt, when Luke Rockhold had that chinchilla jacket on. Hey, when Ooh, Luke Rockhold had that chinchilla on and he turned, when he turned, like we're like, okay, he feeling himself tonight. So you know when you look good. And Draymond was walking like he knew he looked good. Well, I'm going to tell you one guy who knows he looks good when he looks good, D.C., and that's your boy. Oh, that Ooh, is. You bro. see it, DC. <laughs> Ooh, you see it, DC. <laughs> lemonade. Lemonade. <laughs> he got that lemonade on him. He got that lemonade on him. DC, you know what's crazy, RC? Man. You know, RC, you know what's crazy, RC? Like every time you be going, get you be getting dressed, right? And I just be looking to hate. I swear. I, sometimes I look on TV just waiting to hate. I'm like, I'm a hate on him today. Like, I'm gonna send him a text message that like tries to hurt his confidence because he always think he dressed so nice. He always think he dressed so nice. So I be trying to hate on you, Stephen. They be getting everybody when they show up, but he never gets you. It's like you never give him a chance because you you kind of be on point. <laughs> DC. You see, one, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest now. When I had it on the hanger at the hotel, I got nervous because it's so bright. I was like, man, like mm -hmm. this could be, this could flop. But then when I put it on, man, I felt like I felt like DC with two straps on my shoulders, man. I felt like a I Ooh. felt like a champion, dog. Like I, I feel like <laughs> hey. if, they, if they ever if once this show's big enough, 
I'm going to talk to the UFC people and ask them just at one of these events, can I just come down to the table? They ain't got to let me talk. I just want to come down there. And that's exactly how I'm going to walk in that day. And something like that, just so I can put you to shame. And then I already know Joe Rogan going to have on some swole all black suit anyway. So it's really just going to be me, John, and Bruce Buffer killing it for everybody. Hey, let me tell you something. We at some point got to see, we at some point got to check Bruce Buffer's outfits because Bruce be so fly. And Bruce don't only be fly, bro. Like, you got to see what's going on inside Buffer's jackets. Buffer's jackets be having, like, events in them, got names, signatures. Buffer's jackets literally got, like, them fight cards he be reading off of inside the jacket. Yo, Buffer yeah, pays Buff, attention to detail, my guy. Buffer's cold. Yeah, Buffer's cold. Hey, I tell you what, Stepping Fly, we came with it this week. We went from seeing green to seeing yellow. We was double-breasted and bell-bottom. This is what we do, man. Step Fly. RC, there's only a few Ooh. dudes in the UFC that could dress with you. But look, I know one dude Ooh. that dresses on the RC level. Wakanda Forever Ooh. premiere. My boy Kamaru Usman in the dark gray with the black lapels and the black... Uh, shirt inside? I mean, Ryan Clark. DC, what do you think DC, of that one? You know what this shows? Well, what, what this shows is this, DC. Since he's had to start trying to challenge me, he's decided to step his game up a little bit, right? Like, he understood that wearing those, like, wearing those shorts with the double-breasted joints with his chest all out, he realized that that wasn't going to get it, DC. And then now that there was a new king of step and fly in the UFC that he had to come with it is Wakanda forever. I have to say, my dog stepped fly though, and he came with the big guns for a big night. What's up, good brother? How you doing, man? <laughs> What's up, my man RC? I'm doing good. And see, see all all that energy, all that energy. Where was that before you started seeing me all fly? Now you see his, his Instagram every other week. He's posting a different suit, DC. I was like, and, and DC, before you mentioned something, I didn't even know. I didn't even know RC was dressing like that. But he's seen me. Really? And now he's starting to dress. Yeah. you. I, I was one that he wore the other day, the red joint that he wore the other day. I was like, you saw it? come on, my man. You look like you trying too hard. That's the thing. That's the difference. Hey, wait, let me. Hey, hey, like hey, wait, Usman, let me say. Hey, Usman, let me say this. Let me say this. The red joint that he had on the other day famously reminds me of a red outfit you wore to New York City last year in Madison Square hey, Garden. You, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. You, RC, you, see, said, you see me looking you, like Frank Lucas out yeah, there. Yeah, you yeah. see me looking yeah, like Frank Lucas. I saw you looking like Frank Lucas out there, my brother. I saw you looking like Frank Lucas in RC. You wore the red joint after my dog. Now, he had a shirt on this, this time, what we RC. Doing? He had a shirt on. This I mean, is, so this is what we doing? Week, you, every, you see? Every so this week, what we doing? Every week you turn my friends. Every week you turn my friends against me. We finally got one wow. that's willing to stand on his own ten and stand up to you because you're a clothes bully. You talk about my outfits every week, so I brought backup in because you're a clothes bully. Now, Kamaru, yeah. you look fantastic, my brother. <laughs> you look fantastic you. for a massive night and a massive moment in your career. Wakanda Forever yeah. premiere, bro. How much pride did you have being in that environment? for that great accomplishment oh it was it was fantastic i mean um just being there and seeing everyone in hollywood the, anyone that's everyone in hollywood was there and it, it, it was incredible um i was just blessed to be a part of something that massive and of course to be a part of that that movie that massive you know uh 
myself and my daughter, we love to watch movies. So now we get to actually sit in our movie room and watch movies and she can point to me and say, Oh daddy, you're in that movie. So, I mean, it just, I'm just blessed and uh, amazed to be a part of something so large and so monumental. Kamaru, what was it, what was it like though, to think about where you've come from when you were on that red carpet, I'm sure at some point, whether it was sitting down or getting an opportunity to film, you had to think about the Kamaru Usman who had to win the ultimate fighter and then the Kamaru Usman who wins the championships. If you don't do all of those things, you're not on the set of Black Panther. You're not at the premiere. What was that feeling like to know how far you've come and what something like the Black Panther premiere represents for you? Man, I just say uh, uh, through, through a lot of hard work all through the years and uh, just – you know, God's blessings, because like if, if, if one thing doesn't go my way in that whole, in this 10 year journey to get to this point, we're not here. So uh, it's mm -hmm. just now really starting to sit and really try to comprehend all these massive things that have taken place just in order to be on this stage, to, to just be on set for that movie and, and watching some mm -hmm. of the, the biggest movie stars in the world do their thing. It's. I was amazed by the whole process, and and it was just a different process. Now, now I get to watch movies differently, learning how they make the movies and knowing how they make it. Now I have that that process in my head to really, uh, to really comprehend. But at the same time, I'm still just in awe of everything, all the blessings that I'm receiving each and every day. Yo, I got I got one quick thing, RC. So you know, I last week I took our private conversation and made it public, and you were like, "Dude, you're not supposed to do that." So I did that with Usman. Like, I was the one that broke the news that he was in the movie talking to you one time. And he's like, "Yo," <laughs> he's like, "I know it was you, DC." He's like, "I know it was you that told everybody that I'm in the movie. I'm that guy." DC, you yeah. making a bad habit of, of this? You know, certain things are supposed to be left in private. And you make it a bad habit right. of this. Yeah, we can't we can't have conversations <laughs> with you anymore. You're not invited to the barbecue no more, DC. If you're gonna be hey, like, no, don't DC, do this, don't DC do that. The feds. Don't do that. Don't you start the feds, doing this, bro. Don't start doing this. No, don't you, start doing this, bro. You don't switch start, sides, bro. Don't start doing you this. You have yes. switched Don't start sides. doing yes. this. Kamaru, don't Kamaru, don't start doing this. Don't start acting like yeah. Ryan Clark right now. Cause that's what you you acting real bougie. Because you talk about your movie room, because Ryan, he live in Florida, so he his money go real long. He's the, you know, his money goes real long in Florida. But let me ask you this, Usman. They actually letting yeah. you talk in there? They let you talk in the movie? So you're not just out hey, there looking what? strong? They letting you talk? <laughs> hey, he, he do look strong <laughs> as hell, though, don't he? Hey, yeah. he do hey. look strong <laughs> as hell. <laughs> just, hey, just because, just because I'm an athlete, I'm a fighter, that doesn't mean that we don't have other artistic <laughs> skills to actually be able to speak and, and play a part in the movie. So, you know, DC, you wrong for that. So I'm just no. Gonna I'm saying like I know you, you can wanna... talk. No, 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 no. I don't want. I'm I not know you can talk, but I'm just saying you know how to movie. act now. November, November you know how to 11th, act now? worldwide, it's gonna be out there. So go watch it. Wakanda Forever, Black Panther, November 11th. Go watch it. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, one, <laughs> hey, one more on, thing, see, RC. RC, let me ask some one last thing, up. RC, because we both like we both like know what Chadwick Boseman was to this franchise. Yeah, like when you mm -hmm. as you are as you are part of the sequel, you know, with him being that he's passed, how much was done to honor the memories of a man that honestly played 
every strong black yeah. role of athletes and everything like else decade. that we have. Yeah. Right? So what? Was, how much uh, did was, you guys do to honor his memory? Man, it was just the, the whole energy, the whole life of the movie, the whole life of the set shooting. It was a, it was an emotional journey for every, all those actors and actresses that were there on set because, and I wasn't around for the first movie, but being a part of the second one, you got to see how much he meant to the movie and how much he actually had his hands in the making of the movie. You know, so it was very emotional. I mean, shooting some of the scenes, you know, there were some tough days on set with some of the actors and actresses because, you know, they were so connected to him and everything that he meant to that franchise. So, I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, and that's the great thing about Ryan, the director, Ryan is is such a, uh, an amazing director. And I think they, they did a great job of really paying homage to, uh, the late great Chad. Yeah. I, uh, I actually have a shirt with just, uh, some of the, the names of all of the people, whether it was James Brown, you know, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall. And then on the bottom, it says Chadwick Boseman. I think to, to know that one man was able to bring so many of those real life characters to life on screen was truly, uh, truly just a testament to how talented he was, the dedication he had to his craft. And obviously, when you think about Wakanda Forever, what it will mean for his legacy as well. It's hard to kind of segue from that, but you mentioned how much he had his hands you know, in the making of those movies and the parts and different scenes. You know, every time you raise your hand up, it's you know, I can notice that you have, you know, some sort of cast or some sort of protection there. What is kind of, uh, what stage are you in in your recovery as it pertains to that injury? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, uh, at this moment, it's just, for me and the way that my brain works, it's, it's, it's all protective measures to make sure I don't go too fast. Because my head, I'm always, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get to the other one, to the next one and the next one. And so now they just got to mm-hmm. make sure that they, they take protective measures to hold me back so I can make sure that <laughs> right, right. properly, uh, properly. So, you know, I could have a longer career because it seems like each mm-hmm. time if I'm coming back too fast, I'm, I'm, you know, after the fight, I'll have a setback. After the fight, I have a setback. Mm-hmm. So it's just making sure that I don't go too fast now, that I'm able to have one or two. Because 2021, I, I was able to let my – the preparation for that, I was able to let my body recover. And I reeled off three fights mm-hmm. and, and won every award there is to win that year as it pertains to my career and, and did some big things. So it's just a matter of making sure that I'm able to get that that recovery again so I can't have a big 2023. Mm-hmm. Kamaro, thank you nah, so much man, for we joining us, man. That, I appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. You guys. are you are you one guys. of my buddies, and there are some conversations we have had privately. I will keep to myself. I cannot wait to Hopefully. watch you try to recapture <laughs> your UFC welterweight championship, yeah. guys. Make sure you catch Wakanda Forever, November 11th, worldwide premiere. Yes. Former UFC champion Kamaro Usman will be in the movie as he makes his way into Hollywood. Congrats, my brother, and I will see you soon. Thank you, guys. DC, I see you tried to turn the former champ against me, but in the end, it all comes around because everybody knows how you live your life, man. Everybody knows. But it was cool to talk to him about Wakanda forever. Everybody, y'all go check it out on November 11th. But you know what time it is, DC. We always got to get to it, man. Yeah. It's time to tap in or tap out. I know Corporate Jake might have tested the God mic early. Let's get it going, brother. 
Alright guys, Saturday's main event features a pair of strawweights vying for title contention between Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos. Marina is one loss in, has one loss in her UFC career, and that comes against current champ Carla Esparza. So DC, tap in or tap out, that with a win on Saturday, Rodriguez should get the next title shot. I tap in. I, I tap in, honestly, because Mackenzie Dern seemed to be on a short list of people ready to fight for the championship. Yep. She got beat. Many believe that Marina Rodriguez should already have had an opportunity with the wins that she has now uh, had under her belt. So, yeah, I tap in all the way. Marina Rodriguez wins this fight this weekend, and she fights for the strawweight championship next. I tap in as well because when you think of Rose and you also think of Zhang Weili, these are the, the usual names. And so we don't necessarily have an opportunity to get some of the new blood in this weight division with a chance to win the championship. And so I think after the championship fight, if she wins this one, she should be the next up. What's up, Corporate Jake? I guess Henry Cejudo has taken to Twitter and called for an interim title shot versus Sean O'Malley. Current champion Aljamain Sterling says he will not fight until the middle of 2023. So, RC, tap in or tap out on an interim Bantamweight title fight between Cejudo and O'Malley. I mean, I tap into it, but if you're showing O'Malley, do you tap into it? I mean, like, if this fight is made, I'm going to watch it. I don't know about DC, but the UFC going to get my money. ESPN Plus going to get <laughs> these dollars because I would love to see what Triple C looks like in his return and love to see Sean O'Malley fight someone of that caliber after seeing what he did in a decision win over Piotrion. But if I'm Sean O'Malley, I don't take this fight. If I'm Sean O'Malley, I'm not fighting anybody but Aljermaine Sterling, and that's it because I put myself in position to do so. You know, I, I Brian, I got to tap out because he just fought. Like, interim titles are whenever nobody's fighting for a while when the champion's on the shelf. That's what an interim title was supposed to mean. Here's the thing. Right. The, things have a way of working themselves out to where Aljamain Sterling may say he wants to wait to the summer and we may see him in Australia or in March. So there's a, <laughs> things in the UFC work out a certain way to where even though a champion may say hey guys, he has earned his time you, off, he finds his way in. If you watched... If you've watched enough of our shows, you know that DC <laughs> is never guessing. DC will tell you something. And he'll be like, guys, things can work out this way. But we all know DC has the insider information. That's why you can't DM him or send a text message because he's going to tell people. Go ahead, Corporate Jake. A bunch of UFC fighters and their families took part. In Halloween, the Holloways dressed in anime from Tokyo Revengers, Cub Swanson That's and his hard. family as Power Rangers, beardless Conor McGregor as Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can, and the Nunez family like dressed as dinosaurs. So DC, tap in or tap out on the Holloways had the best costume of the bunch. Hey, let me tell you this. Max, take your foot off their throat. Please, Holloway family, fought, like, please stop. Like, Bruh. it's just too good. It's just too good yes, from, I mean, yes. it's the Holloway. I mean, as everybody looks fantastic, Max, please, yeah, Cub, man. Cubs family was amazing too, man. And so was Connor and his wife. But Max Holloway, please, bro, take your foot off their throat in the costume range because it was too good. Because if you swipe right, bro. you actually saw the characters and nobody does yes. it like the Holloways. Hey, they, they, they fit perfectly, but his son 
got so much swag, DC. You could tell his Dude. son knew when he was taking the picture, he was like, Pops, we killing them yeah, right now. Let me live. Hey, I'm, Let me live. Let me listen, live, Dad. Let me live. Man, <laughs> let me live. Right? Give me my space. My mom used to lock me in church, and I'm glad she locked me in church because if they had people like that dressing on Halloween, my little <laughs> outfit wasn't going to be nothing but the football uniform I had from the playground. So I am hey, glad hey, you I didn't have to be hey, a part of that. Hey. You're probably gonna be a ghost like most of us was back in Louisiana. Cause if you ain't had that much money, they took a they took a sheet over you, cut some eyes out, and stuck you outside you looking bad. Every Halloween, every Halloween, <laughs> every Halloween, you the same exact outfit, bro. That don't make no sense. Guys, that's my boy RC. RC, once again, man, thank you for doing the show. The show is amazing. Last week, fans, thank you guys for tapping in because one of our highest uh, viewed shows in a really long time. We Last appreciate week. the love. We appreciate the support. Yep. yep. Hey, DC, I heard you're going to be in town next week, man. We get. I heard yes, we I get am. to go, do hey. it face-to-face, -face, man, for the first time in a long time. So I'm excited about that. We got a huge fight coming up at Madison Square Garden soon. Or is it in Brooklyn? Where are they fighting at? It's in Madison Square Garden, it's right? It's in Madison Square and, Garden. Uh, you know, yeah, Madison Square Garden, Madison Edesanya Square Garden. versus Pajeda. Yep, cannot wait to watch that fight, guys. Every Tuesday, catch me and RC on YouTube. Now on ESPN2 at midnight Eastern and everywhere you get your podcast. Until next week, from Bristol, I'm DC. That's my guy, from RC. From Bristol. Peace. Are we shooting ball next week? ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.